Hi, everyone. Katie Parker, alcoholic. I am so grateful to be here. I'm honestly grateful to be alive right now. I just got over COVID for 14 days, and uh, this is the best I've looked in 18 days. So I'm pretty excited about all of that. I uh, was a little concerned that that I might not make this meeting. And uh, uh, I tell you, Tamara, Tamara is an amazing individual. She is someone you can't say no to. And there's only one other person in my life that is like that, and that's Ali. So you guys are, are two peas in a pod there because uh, I'm a gal that can say no. And uh, I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be here. Having Peter be a part of the uh, posse was, a, was such a great, um, opportunity for me to continuing during COVID to say, come on, God, I really want to make this meeting. And I really want to do this with Peter. And we got an opportunity to talk yesterday. It was great. And uh, <clears throat> I was actually hoping he'd go first, but yeah, so be it. Uh, I've been sober since I got to get to this. I got a lot to cover in 30 minutes. And let me tell you, my husband likes to say I'm like taking a, a drink from a fire hose. I'm a lot coming at you. And, and that's, there, there's no joking about that. I, once I get started, man, my engines are revved. I've been sober since October the 28th of 1984. I'm coming up on 37 years. I'm absolutely blown away by sobriety dates. Uh, pinch me, I can't believe I'm still here. It also comes with a lot of reflection of who's not here. A lot of pain uh, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and a lot of miracles. I happen to be somebody that talks a lot more about the pain and suffering. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can decode this illness. This illness is a fatal illness and, and doesn't mean it's doom and gloom, but let's, let's shake the world up. Let's wake them up and say, hey man, if you're sitting there acting like this is just a, a cakewalk, watch out, there's trouble ahead. My home group is the primary purpose group. Uh, we are meeting in person, hallelujah. However, uh, you got to realize that we do have a Zoom meeting that's going to be continual. We had such a great uh, uh, interest in it. Oh, and keep in mind, I haven't talked to people in 18 days, so I may get, you know, I, normally I can hit my mark, but <laughs> don't, don't hold me to that standard today. Uh, like I said, I'm looking good. That's good enough for me today. Uh, but our meeting is on Wednesday nights, uh, 7.30 Central Standard Time in uh, the U.S. And uh, I will put in the chat, or maybe, Marty, would you put in the chat uh, the Zoom number? There's no password. We study the big book line by line, week after week. It's a whole lot more fun than it sounds. But the beauty of this particular meeting is we dissect the text. We're more interested in what the text has to say than your experience. There's nothing wrong with your experience. We just, at this particular meeting, want to find out why they put it there, what point they're trying to get across, and how we connect the dots. Um, I always like to say, too, I am the vessel to help you get connected to the power. I am not the power. I don't want to manage your life. I don't want to tell you what you have to do. My job is to help you get connected to the power so that you can hear the power tell you what to do. See, I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I chased a boy in. Thank God nobody was the arbiter of my sex life. Uh, I, I sat at his feet while he read me the big book. Uh, I mean, we were married for 20 amazing years on, you know, good, bad, right, wrongs, all of that. But I had a little girl, right? I had a five-year-old child. I was 26 years old. I'm 63 years old now. And I had a little girl that I drugged through hell. I know pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. You, you have a kid while you're 
uh, out there running and gunning, and it is ugly. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, I just, this, this looking back at that is, is painful. She's 42 today. We have an amazing life. I have another child that's 32. He's never seen me drink, but he's seen me stark, rave, and sober. He's seen me crazy. Don't, don't be fooled by the life we can live without a drink in our hand right? I like to qualify myself simply by saying when I start, I can't stop and I can't stop starting. I'm not going to sit here and talk about my drinking. Uh, I think there's a time and a place for it. This happens to be about the surrendered life, right? This surrendered life and what exactly does that mean? We use a 1936 dictionary and primary purpose group and I looked up the word surrender. I've looked it up several times before. Never hurts to do it again. It says to yield to the power of another, right? To resign to give up this white flag, right? Surrender for the alcoholic is one of the most difficult things we ever do. Some of us will get to the surrender and then not move forward. Some of us will get to the surrender and, and accelerate. It's everyone does it a little bit different. So what does that mean? To me, to sum it up in two words, patience and discipline. And let me tell you, we alcoholics don't have either of them right? We don't have any patience. And discipline is like, woo, says we alcoholics are undisciplined. God disciplines us in this very way he laid out. And yet my, my big book sat on the shelf for 15 years. I felt like I didn't need it. I felt like it didn't apply. You know, we're in this weird world where everything is about changing. Let's change this. Let's not be okay with this. Let's move this. And to me, I'm like, don't touch that book, period. That book holds the key to my future just as it has been written, right? Sit down with somebody and let them explain the darn thing. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we opened that book and just related totally to what it was like in 1935? Of course we don't. There's a generation that hasn't known anything other than the internet. Well, that's not me. I'm not technically savvy at all. And so the truth of the matter is, is get somebody to explain it to you before you think you need to change it right? None of us do this thing spot on. Wouldn't that be great if we just came in here, hit the mark every time and just accelerate it? You know, pain is the touchstone of growth, right? We have to have pain in order to move forward, in order to seek the power. I worked a program based on alcohol being the problem. Think about that. Most of us can sometimes say, well, I don't I have gone to a, a anywhere to get a drink. I can get my butt to a meeting. We miss the whole point of what the root of my problem is. Oh yeah, alcohol can be a real problem, but it isn't the problem, right? It says this second surrender in AA, and that's what I like to call it. Call it emotional sobriety, call it whatever you want to call it. But I like to say it's easier to get an alcoholic to stop drinking than it is to get one of us to quit playing God. How do I stop playing God? See, alcohol was the solution. It was not the problem. Alcohol was the only thing that treated the pain of living a life based on self-will. Well, self-will is so such a broad term. I don't even really get it. But it tells me on in 60 to 63 that selfishness and self-centeredness that we think, right? We being the first hunter to wrote the book is the root of our troubles. Well, that's voted most likable four years in a row in high school, I am clearly not selfish and self-centered. Now, Charlie Parker, he was my best friend. You just had to be around Charlie for five seconds and you knew he was selfish and self-centered. But I obviously missed that. Maybe when I was drinking, I was a little selfish and self-centered. But that I remember the moment I made that decision and dismissed 
the entire root of my troubles. It says I'm driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. Well, those are all ugly words. Come on. We step on the toes of our fellows. They retaliate. Why are they retaliating? I'm a giver. I'm such a wonderful individual. I don't understand this. I didn't do anything wrong. Does that sound like verbiage from an alcoholic? says sometimes they hurt us seeming without provocation, but invariably, which means always, we find that we've made a decision based on self that has later placed us in a position to be hurt. How do I find that? Do you think I dig into my own mind and fix self with self? Oh no, that's what the 10th step is all about, right? Most of us thought the 10th step was the evening review, completely missed the mark on that. Right? The 10th step is to continue to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. But as, as Tamara said, taken off the wall, it looks like damage control. So I'm only supposed to do that if I've upset somebody. Well, clearly it's designed to get me to watch and turn, watch and turn. So I have to bring another person in so that they can ask me the storyline. And when they ask me the storyline and they do the investigative research on this deal, and I answer the questions, I then see where I made that decision based on self. It was brief, and I see where I did it, and I moved forward from that. See, without that peace, you will rarely be able to come to it. Yes, the longer you're sober, the more mature you are. It will come easier and easier, but don't fool yourself. I think that doesn't come till you're well into your 20 years sobriety. I know some of you are like, oh my God, come on. Well, it's the facts. It's like having a brand new baby and looking at that baby and thinking one day they're going to give me grandkids. It's a little overwhelming, but hey, one day they sure might. See, the problem here is steps 10 and 11 are designed to keep me unblocked. But if I don't understand the root of the problem, I don't even, I'm working a, pro a program based on alcohol being the problem. See, my DNA is I don't think too much of myself or too little of myself. All I think about is myself. See, we filter everything through us. And I'm going to break down the third step a little because I know Peter's going to do a great job on the first step. And, and I have a take on that. You know, I think, I think men typically happen to be A plus B equals C, no disrespect. Women are, are more the emotional creature. So, so the, the understanding of step one is crucial for all of us. But for females, that third step really comes alive because we operate on tremendous amount of emotion. Not that men don't, but I'm actually a little jealous how you can just shelf an emotion. You find out some bad news, you just kind of put it on the shelf and go, so where are we going for dinner? You give a woman some bad news. Oh my God, I'm going to fret. I'm going to think, I'm going to think, I'm going to think, I'm gonna, you know, until you make yourself crazy. And that's, that's just my take on it. So I break down the third step a little bit more thorough, right? On page 60, it says we were at step three and that's italicized. But over on page 63, it says we're now at step three and that's not italicized. This is my opinion, my observation of why. I think on page 60, it's getting ready to tell us the many different ways that self shows up. And over on page 63, it's the affirmation of the decision we've made. So that's what I think it's all about. Goes on to say, which is that we decide to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understand him. Once again, terminology I don't understand. What it's trying to tell me is to turn my will is my thoughts and my life is my actions. So you want me to turn my thoughts and my actions over to this God that I really don't quite get a grasp of yet. Okay, it's all good. This is all very elementary. You mature spiritually just like you grow up and mature. And so this cause and effect in life 
right? Got to get down to the root of the trouble so we can get to this cause and effect is an external affairs. All my external affairs are always a demonstration of my inward condition. If I'm walking through life scared to death, I'm out there fretting and, and trying to manage. If I go through life angry, everybody that looks at me, I'm like, what are you looking at? Right? That's how, that's what's the deep underlying condition. So I'm out here trying to manage my life so that when that looks good, I'll be okay. I'm doing it backwards. It's internal, right? It's an internal condition. Book goes on to say, just what do we mean by that? And what do we do? Well, it spends the next two pages explaining what we mean. And then it switches to what we do. There's requirements in that third step too. It says, it says the first requirement is that Katie be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Well, let me tell you guys, I'm not convinced. Self-reliance worked for me. I left home at 15 because my dad and I got in a big fight. You come at me with a parental tone, I'll kill both of us. I mean, I am just in, uh, mm, mm. and Charlie, for some reason, thinks a parental tone is going to work with me. And I am like, dude, this is getting ready to get really ugly, really fast. I don't handle that tone. I've been working with God on that tone forever to zip it, walk away, don't say anything. And my head blows off. So you want me to lay down this self-reliant tool that has worked for me. I could give you a whole litany of stuff that I can convince a blind man to get a pair of glasses. I am good at that. You want me to lay that tool down and pick up your hinky spiritual toolkit? Nah, I don't think so. I'll pick it up when it gets really bad, although I've never seen a situation like that. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm not willing to set this tool, tool down. It works for me. It says we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. What? So now it's turning me to good motives. You see, I come into AA, I'm taught integrity, dignity, honor, respect, as we should. Our word is our word. We show up no matter what. I'm the coffee captain. I better have my butt there making the coffee, period. This is a whole new way of life for us. But now what the third step's talking about is behind a kind motive. See, I don't realize I have a kind motive until you don't do what I want you to, right? Here's an example. Let you in in traffic, you know, because I'm such a giver. Come on, come, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, 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 because I'm, I'm a good person. Come on. And if they better give me one of these, they don't give me one of these, I'm pretty disappointed. See, there it's starting to show up now, isn't it? How about I hold the door for you and you don't even acknowledge me? I mean, honestly, the very first thought is how I can trip you and I can trip you good. I learned how to kick that back foot out and use nose plant right there. It's, it's really quite an image in my mind. But this is these good intentions, right? I didn't mean to hurt anybody. Why, why is everybody upset at me? Then it goes into talking about this actor running the whole show, right? I'm forever trying to raise the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. You see, we talk about this surrendered life. Oh, look what we're having to surrender. On my own power, I can't touch this stuff. I don't even know. I can't differentiate the true from the false. My alcoholic life is the only normal one. That's drunk or sober. See, I thought everything was talking about drinking and I missed this part. So I'm over here forever trying to arrange the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. Then I have this delusion if everyone would do as I wish. If only people would do as I wish, the show would be great. Everyone, including myself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. Katie-topia. So I take these motives that are always stellar, this delusion, if everyone would do as I wish, I run my motives, I mean, I run my actions through it, and the worst I'm ever going to get is an A-. minus. And I'm doing this unbeknownst to me because I don't do a discipline of 10 and 11. I don't even get it. I thought the 10th step was the evening review. 
So I have the steps so screwed up. I haven't picked up my big book. I've just done uh, therapy most of my life. Don't get me wrong. I think therapy is an honor and a privilege. The only problem is in therapy, you talk about who you pissed off at in column one, dad, what he did in column two, everything. Third column, what it affected, my self-esteem, my pride, my ambition, everything. We never get to the fourth column. Fourth column is not my part. It's my harms and my mistakes. That's a powerful, powerful paragraph. It goes into saying in the fourth step, right? If, if, we, look at, if we look at this vigorous course of action the book is talking about, that's four through nine, right? That vigorous course of action is four through nine. And then all of a sudden it shifts to that 10th step, which if taken off the wall, says that we continue to take personal inventory. Well, that was four through nine. So that's the deep directions of what we're going to get to because we're going to grow spiritually. We're going to mature spiritually. So if we're going to do that, we have to keep going back to the book because it's a piece of spiritual literature. So it takes us deeper and deeper and deeper. And we don't typically do that unless we're in pain or helping somebody. Those are the, typically the two things that will get me to go any deeper in the book. So we have to look at this, right? We have to consider what that's saying in four through nine. It says to conclude others were wrong as far as most of us ever got. Mark used to say, Mark, oh, changed our lives. Mark Houston woke Charlie and I up. It took me a lot longer to wake up than Charlie, I'll give you that. It took me four years to come out of untreated alcoholism. Remember, self-reliance worked for me. So I'll just, you know, I, I Mark Houston and I on 10 seconds into knowing each other, he laughed at something I said, and I thought, I will take you out. You know, he looked like the Marlboro man. And I remember where we were standing. I remember what he was wearing. I remember what I was wearing. And the truth of the matter is, is I just didn't let anybody tell me anything. I'm like Mighty Mouse, man. You can't. I'm hard-headed, stubborn, opinionated. I'm all the above. That is hard to surrender that. So to blame others is as far as most of us ever got. Mark used to say, turn statements into questions. Are you a blamer? If you answered that question immediately, no, you are. Don't fool yourself. Watch for it and see. We go through life, as Mark used to say, asleep, dreaming we're awake. We have instant answers for everything. And we don't even realize what we're answering it to. I haven't given it a thought. To watch, watch, 10th step, watch, turn. So to conclude that others were wrong as far as most of us ever got, the usual outcome was that the people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. In sobriety, no problem can do that. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. Really? So see, if everyone would do as I wish, that delusion, if you people would just listen to me, I know what's best for everyone. This current atmosphere, oh my God. I mean, this current atmosphere has everybody angry, everybody running scared. If that's the case, get off Facebook, turn off the TV and go out there and go for a walk. How about that? You know, get away from these things that are feeding what you think is right. It says, as in war, the victor only seems to win, right? So if I'm trying to get my way, our moments of triumph are short-lived. I'm telling you what, put yourself back in the family environment. Oh, my God. Before you know it, where I'm acting like I'm 12 again. My brother looks at me like, what are you looking at? What, did I not cut my meat right? Did I not get up and do this right? I mean, everything was a what? What are you looking at? And that's what we do. We revert so quickly to old behavior. Now, a lot of times, the more spiritually we've grown, we get to watch this and we've done the work so we don't turn into that nut job. But on any given day, wrapped too tight, we can turn into that. It says it's plain that any life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. 
to the precise extent we permit these. Huh, interesting little part there. So it's telling me if I really work hard at this discipline of 10 and 11, that I am going to find that I will have those moments, right? In the 11th step, it says pause when agitated or doubtful. I can hear people in meetings say, I pause today. And I can so tell that's a self-reliant pause. See, that pause is a gift. It's a spiritual promise that when done, the disciplines, the amazing two-second pause comes and says, okay, you're not spiritually fit to ask that question. Stand down. And I mean, that, that's straight from God's mouth to my ear, man. And I, I can't tell you what a gift that is for Katie Parker. I did some work with Lorenz one time. I love Mike Lorenz. And he did, uh, I'm, I'm laying out this you know, big problem and how wrong the world is. He said, you know, Katie, what would happen if you took the high road? And I remember thinking, huh, I never have, never, ever taken the high road. And he said, I said, not only have I not taken the high road, Mike, I don't even know how to get there. Well, come to find out the high road is amazing. Not only is it amazing, forgive me for this one. Oh, the dogs heard me. Uh, there's no assholes on the high road. Yeah, it's a bunch of people that are just chilled. It's all cool, whatever. So I have worked so hard at asking God to show me, teach me, help me understand to stay on this high road. And now one out of 20 times do I not state my opinion. It's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. It did not come without a lot of work and a lot of discipline. Right. And so it says, do we squander away the hours that may have been worthwhile? Right. Squandering away the hours is staying in a position where I'm right and you're wrong. And trust me, you're asleep and you miss all of what God had laid out for you. You missed the moment at the gas station where the guy looked at you and you needed to smile at him. You missed the second to see somebody drop something, you pick it up and give it back to him. There, God is orchestrating every moment of my life. Do I believe that? If I do, what is required a lot? The level of discipline for me to stay in this moment for this talk right now. That's it. That's all I have is God has entrusted me with a message to carry, period. Not to go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, I did this. I did this. Ah, what I got, what you see is what you get. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And then it says, but with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. Remember the surrendered life. Surrender is a lot of discomfort and pain, right? I thought a spiritual awakening was, should feel good. That come to find out, no, no, no. Spiritual awakening is pretty darn painful, at least for me, the way I see it. Enlightenment is the joy. But I don't stay at the crest of the, the wave, right? That just isn't the way it is. It says this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found it's fatal. Once again, remember Mark said, people act like I take this stuff too serious. We found that it is fatal. That's pretty serious stuff, guys. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The third step, the terms of the agreement are in the third step, to stay close to him and perform his work well. In order to stay close to him, I got to get close to him. In order to get close to him, I got to get unblocked. See, I don't get unblocked and stay unblocked. Why would I ever need God then? The truth of the matter is, is it's one granule of salt or sand at a time. And then before you know it, you're going, man, I just feel funky. What's going on? Right? And granted, some days are just like that. But the truth is, ask yourself that question and do a little bit of work. 
right? This this 10th step, this evening review uh, in, in the 11th step, right? We, we do the spot check inventory where we're watching throughout the day. Watch, turn, watch, turn, right? Ask God to remove it. Uh, uh, talk to somebody immediately, <laughs> immediately, not at the end of the day, immediately. Uh, make amends quickly if I've harmed anybody. Then resolutely turn my thoughts about my actions to someone, right? Then in the evening, 11th step evening review, check my work, constructively review that. That means to exa examine thoroughly. So you don't just answer yes and no, and you really kind of mix it up, change it up, ask yourself different questions. How'd you do today? Then we ask for those corrective measures, take that into on awakening. And then we look at our 24 hours ahead. Why am I looking at my 24 hours ahead? I'm looking at who I'm bringing into that day because the day before is going to outline my day today. If I'm pissed off at Charlie, watch for that. If I'm frustrated with my neighbor, watch for that. What am I going to do, God? What are you going to do different here for me? Let me stay awake and aware to this. Ask to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Doesn't say ask to be divorced from fear. What? I thought that would be what it would want me to be divorced from. No, self-pity, first thing. If that doesn't lay out... The mindset of the alcoholic, and that does not, do not be fooled. That doesn't mean we get rid of that by six years. Matter of fact, I think we hit walls all the way through sobriety. 18 months to three years, you're definitely still working a program based on the abstinence of alcohol. That, because that's the nature of it. Doesn't mean you're not awake and aware of selfishness and self-centeredness. But the truth of the matter is, is you're not awake enough to get it because you've been given this incredible amount of grace that God gives us because you can't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Then you hit another wall between three and five, five and seven, seven and 12, 12 and 15, 15 about every three to five years you hit a wall. And, and I've talked to people who said that that's just not true for myself. Hey, let me follow you around. <laughs> just FYI. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll just leave that again. But then here's the best part of this, right? If it's talking about this fatality, the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. Here's where alcohol, by the time I pick up that drink in sobriety, it's the solution. It's not the problem. And trust me, I have witnessed that. My husband went back out after 23 years of sobriety. And in 18 months, he'd gone down a mudslide that was horrific. And he ended up dying of a heroin overdose. No one was more shocked than I was. The obsession to drink was back on me. People say there's no way that happened. Oh, which you just want to look at him and go, excuse me? Yes, you, you can actually fight off the obsession right up to the day you drink. Now, when that day is, I don't know. But I fought it off and thank God Charlie met my little one-eyed bandit down in Kerrville, who then was sponsored by Mark Houston. And Charlie was in untreated alcoholism. I'm in untreated alcoholism. He grabs my hand. He throws me in the car. I'm like a wet cat. We go off to see Mark at a big book study. We wouldn't have gone across town to a big book study. But God was, when God sends a lifeboat, get in it. And don't think he's not sending lifeboat after lifeboat after lifeboat. And we got in that son of a gun and we went to this thing. And I'm telling you what, my whole life, began to change, but I'm a slow learner because I'm so strongly opinionated. If you're at all like me, strap your seatbelt on. It's quite a dandy. And, and, and then it gets into this amazing, amazing thing. It says if we're to live, we have to be free of anger, right? We have to be rid. The word rid means to be set free. That's on a daily basis. That's not like, oh, thank God I don't have anger anymore. I've actually talked to people in AA who said, I'm over that. Oh, 
really? Let me go to lunch with you. I, I can point it out pretty quickly, right? The grouch and the brainstorm are not for us. It talks about that we turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. What is, what, what's that about? We begin to see that the world and its people really do dominate us. Just the world and its people. In that state, the wrongdoings of others fancied or real had the power to kill. We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how we couldn't wish them away any more than we could alcohol. This was our course. We can't wish these things away any more than we could alcohol. This was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Once I understand that I'm a hypocrite, my life gets so much better. Though we didn't like their symptoms, call them two. And the way they disturbed us, call them three. They, like ourselves, are sick too. We asked God to help us show them the same patience, tolerance, and pity. We grant a sick friend. How can I be helpful? God grant me from being angry. You see, praying for other people, that's great and groovy. It's not a bad practice. That's not what it's talking about. It's asking me to ask God to help me show them. And then it talks, it goes in much more depth. I've only got a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to just jump forward ahead because I don't want to end this thing just, you know, like screeching tires. But remember, understanding the root of our problem. Yes, yes. The first step, Peter's going to do a beautiful job at covering. No, understanding what it means to be alcoholic is crucial. However, without understanding the root of the problem and then being able to take that root of the problem through these steps is crucial. So steps 10 and 11, the idea of watching for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear is much different than waiting for these things to show up, right? And I want you to realize that there are so many promises and so many blessings in 10 and 11. Dissect, dissect, dissect. It is incredible. Oops, my timer's going off here. It is an incredible, incredible experience. Bill said with each passing year, we increasingly realize the immense importance of adequately presenting the program to every prospect who is in the least inclined to listen. <laughs> That's us. Many of us feel that this is our greatest obligation to him and our failure to do so is our greater, greatest dereliction, which means screw up. The difference between a good approach and a bad one can mean life or death to those who seek his help. He wrote that in May of 1947. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in this simple way he's just outlined. If you're not in the book, please get in the book. And if you are, I'll see you on the fire lines. Thanks for having me.